My goodness. Welcome to week 18 in our series through the book of James. We're calling it Faith Works, and this changes everything. Your faith has probably been tested over the last few weeks. We've been studying all along these several months in James kind of principles for dealing with a pandemic. You know, sometimes the greatest step of faith that we can take is to do nothing. Now, I know some of you are excited. I heard a guy say, hey, I haven't been doing anything about my faith my whole life, Jerry. This is great. That's not what I mean. Sometimes the greatest step of faith is to do nothing but to wait on God. Waiting when things aren't moving as fast as we think they should be moving takes more faith than just going out and doing it ourselves. You know, the Bible is full of stories of people who waited on God and also people who they didn't wait. They decided, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. Abraham, David, some great heroes of our faith. They're famous for not waiting, for running ahead of God, and it didn't work out so well for them. doesn't work well for Jerry when he runs ahead of God. God, I'm going to help you out because, you know, God's involved in world peace and all that stuff. So with my life, I'll fix it for you, God, kind of a thing. And I often want to say, like Dr. Phil, how's that working for you, right? Let me read you James 5, 7 through 11. And then I want to talk about three things and give you three things under each of those three things. It says, dear brothers and sisters, so he's writing to us Christians, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other. Brothers and sisters, for you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at The end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Learning to wait patiently is one of the most difficult lessons to learn in life. It's a mark of maturity. Children and immature people have a difficult time waiting. Well, I'd have to say that includes me sometimes. I want it now. I want it. That's what Roman, my grandson, says. When we say we're going to go play with something, go eat something, go do. I want to go now. Nana, I want to go now. She's the softy. Are we there yet? How many of you heard that from the back of your mind? Are we there yet? Right? Or from your husband. Are we there yet? James shows us when. And why and how. When and why and how to develop patience when things are taking longer than we think they should take. 
Now, all of us have spent a great percentage of our lives waiting. And there are many things that test our patience. I-4, or the ultimate I-4. Aren't you tired of this? They've been building this thing forever, it seems. Supermarket lines. You go to the store now, and they have 99 registers, but only one of them has a cash register person there, right? Cashier's only at one. In fact, I have to admit, in full disclosure, I have, I have to confess, Nancy and I walked out of Target today. We went all the way in there, got something in our cart, came all the way up, and I've got friends that work at Target. I'm so sorry, but I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm on video anyway. It, and I'm looking at it, I'm going, 23, 24, 25 people in line to do the self-checkout thing. And we're like, we don't really have to get, no, we'll get to some other, Amazon, it'll be here before I get home. Just saying, Target. Doctor's offices. We wait in doctor's. In fact, doctor's offices have a whole room called, what is it called? The waiting room. And that's a misnomer, right? Because the room you go to after the waiting room, you actually wait longer in that room than you wait in the waiting room. It's true. COVID-19, we said last week, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. It was supposed to be 15 days to flatten the curve, you know? And then it's like, it's like nine months later, and it's getting worse, not better. We're waiting on vote counting. Everybody got uncomfortable. Now we're waiting on the balance of power in the Senate. I was like, Runoff elections in January? Come on, Georgia! What's wrong with this? We're going to take 2020 all the way into 2021. What's wrong with us? All of these kind of things test our patience. We don't like to be delayed. The truth is, we hate to wait. Now, I particularly don't like to wait when I'm hungry. Which is multiple times a day, by the way. I don't know about you, but I'm not very patient when I'm hungry. So when I go to a restaurant and I have to wait five times, I mean, I have to, I get grouchy, I get scary Jerry comes out. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. You know, if I'm feeling hungry, at first I have to wait to be seated. Then I have to wait for them to bring a menu. Then I have to wait to order. Then I have to wait for the food to come. Then I have to wait for the check. And I said in the last service, and I ate at one of my favorite restaurants, Cracker Barrel, then i got to wait in line to pay. My friend that's an executive with Cracker Barrel texted me right after, you don't have to wait at Cracker Barrel anymore. They have an app for that. I'm like, that's good to know. I can pay for my table on my app. I'll be doing that probably by the end of the day. The thing that bothers me the most about waiting in a restaurant is they call that guy the waiter. And I'm like, he's not the waiter. I'm the waiter. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. How can he be the waiter, right? So today, server. Is that what we should call him? Yeah, a lot better. I'm the waiter. He's the server. So today, I want to look at how to wait patiently when we're delayed. Now, six times in just these few verses, we see the word patience and we see the word perseverance. And James gives us three examples, three illustrations, three lessons he says we can learn. We can learn from farmers, we can learn from the prophets, and we can learn from this Old Testament guy named Job. Not Job, Job. So we're going to look at all three of these. And these verses teach us 
how to be patient when things are taking longer than we think they should take in our opinion. So I just want us to look at three questions today. I told you what they were. I want to look at when, what, and how. When is waiting patiently an act of faith? When is it an act of faith? What, what should I remember while I'm waiting? And how? Most important, most important question is, how do I trust God when I'm waiting for something and it's been delayed? All right, let's look at these three from James chapter 5. First, when is waiting an act of faith? Because we need patience all the time in our life. But there are three times when patience is needed, especially important. And this is what James is talking about. You might want to write them down. It has to do with the farm of the prophets and Job. Number one, waiting patiently is an act of faith when circumstances are uncontrollable. Waiting patiently is an act of faith when circumstances are uncontrollable. Do you feel like there are some circumstances in your life right now that are uncontrollable? Oh, yeah. That certainly applies to what we're going through now with COVID-19, the presidential election with the Senate. But the truth is, a lot of our life is beyond our control. James uses the farmer as an example. Now, most of us don't know very many farmers today. It's all big ag does all the farming. How many of you have an uncle, a granddad, a great uncle? Do you, anybody in your family used to own a farm? Any farmers in your family? They're some of the most patient people in the world, aren't they? You're like, come on, granddad, get on. He's like, it'll all work out. You know, they're just, they're just so, they've learned patience, farmers have. Look what it says. It says Dear, this is verse 7 8. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for rain in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage. For the coming of the Lord is near. He said, well, Jerry, I don't, I don't think I wait till Jesus gets back. I mean, I can't wait that long. He says, well, look what the farmers do. Farming requires lots of patience. There are no overnight crops. Have you, have you discovered that? There's only one story where a guy plants something and the next day there's a giant beanstalk. That's a fable. In real life, you plant and you wait. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. And then they do a little tilling, a little weeding, a little cultivating. And you wait, and you prune, and you, pr- and you wait. Until finally, when you're done waiting, the harvest is there. They harvest. Farmers, they know they have to wait, and they know there are a lot of uncontrollable circumstances or factors. Farmers can't control the weather. They can't control things like locusts, things like insects, things like animals. They try, but they're at the the mercy of Mother Nature, so to speak. Farmers can't control the economy. They have no idea the price of the market, what that's going to be on the day of harvest when they start. Farmers can't control the cost of labor. It takes a lot of faith. To be a farmer. Even when we know something is uncontrollable in our lives, we still try to control it. There are a lot of things that are uncontrollable in your life. The virus, the election, the voting, the protests, all that. They're uncontrollable in your life. 
but we worry about those things. We try to control them. If you ever want to know what uncontrollable thing you're trying to you're trying to control, ask yourself, what am I worried about? Because worrying about something is trying to control it. Now look, worrying about something that we can't change is kind of dumb. The Bible calls it foolish. Worrying about something that we can't change is useless. But the Bible says when we worry, we're trying to take control of an uncontrollable situation. The farmer doesn't do that. He just waits. He trusts God in the things that are out of his control. We can learn a lot from the farmer. When circumstances are uncontrollable, we need patience. The second thing, when waiting patiently is an act of faith, is when the truth is unpopular. That's when waiting patiently is an act of faith. It's when the truth is unpopular. This is in the next verse. Now, sometimes as a follower of Jesus, we're going to have to speak up. We're going to have to tell the people to people who don't like to hear the truth. They don't want to hear it. They deny it. They don't, they don't want it. It's unpopular. The only thing they want to hear is what they want to hear. And they get upset when we speak the truth. That means the truth is not always popular. Of course, today our culture wants to believe a lot of lies. And folks, we are part of that culture. And a lot of times we want to believe lies about ourselves that aren't true. So James gives a second example of when we need patience. In verses 10 and 11, for example, for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Now, the duty of the prophets was to get people to change their ways, to turn back to God. The duty of the prophet is to get people to, to act differently, to change their behavior. The problem is people resist change. Have you noticed this? People resist change even when they know it's the right thing to do. Even when they want to change, they resist change. Eat your oatmeal. It's the right thing to do. But I don't want to eat the oatmeal. I like peanut butter. You know, I don't want to eat the oatmeal. You know, I want eggs and bacon, right? We don't like change even when we know it's healthier, even when we know it's better, even when we know it's something that, that we should do. And when you suggest People change their behavior. They resent you for suggesting it. So the prophets had to deal with being very unpopular. for not being well liked by the people. Prophets were maligned. They were misunderstood. They were criticized. It was discouraging to be a prophet. By the way, if you want to be liked by people at your work, in your neighborhood, in your family, don't be a prophet. You don't want to be a prophet, okay? Because their job, a prophet's job, is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. They don't like that. They would not only tell it like it is, but they would tell it like it should be, like it could be. Prophets, as a result, 
because of the truth they were always saying. They were not very popular. So they had to be patient because people don't change quickly. We're to speak the truth in love, and we are to love everyone. Jesus said, this is how the world will know you're my disciples, your love one for another. So we should not be impatient with anybody. We have to be patient with everybody, even when we're trying to help them change into what God wants them to be. That's what we do at church. We, we partner with you to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We, want, we say God accepts you just the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay that way. He's going to change you into the likeness of his son Jesus. We want to partner and be used by God to do that. But I've got to tell you, even when we're trying to get people to change, to be more like their Savior, we've got to be very patient with them. Have you ever tried to change someone's mind who didn't want it to change? Just think of the last 30 days on Facebook, okay? Or have people tried to change your mind and you didn't want to be changed? Exactly. It's a futile task to try to get somebody to change their mind about something. So what are you going to do? I mean, it's one thing when it's an anonymous person on Twitter or it's a long-distance friend on Facebook. What are you going to do when you're trying to change your husband or your wife or your kids or somebody close to you? You've got to be patient. Got to be patient. In the Bible, the word that they use in the Greek for patience, what it means is it takes a long time to get hot. And you think, what does that mean? Here's what it means. In our, in our vernacular, in our words, it means you've got, you got a long fuse, not a short fuse. This word patience means we don't boil over quickly. We don't overreact. We don't blow up. That's what patience means. We don't get overheated with people just because they don't agree with us. Boy, is this written for 2020 or what? You see, if we're going to be successful with people, we've got to learn to be patient. If we're going to be a successful parent, those of you with toddlers, you've got to be patient with a toddler or a middle schooler. Or a teenager. Do you ever grow out of this need for patience? For your No, I don't think so. You have to have a long fuse. You have to not, we have to not get overheated with them. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the classic chapter on love. You've heard pastors read that at every wedding you've probably ever gone to. Love is, love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is. Do you know what the first love is that's listed? It's in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It, takes, it means it takes a long time to boil over, to get hot. What this means is we don't grumble about people while we're waiting. That needs to be said twice in 2020. We don't grumble about people while we're waiting. And we're going, when we're going through tough times that we don't like, and we're having to wait, and we're delayed, 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 often we start grumbling about the people around us. Can't believe this guy's in my way. Get out of my, you know, we're grumbling about everybody. He says, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. So let's review. When do we need to be patient? When do we need long-term waiting in faith? 
when circumstances are uncontrollable, and when the truth that we have to share is unpopular. Be patient with people. Just love them and be patient with them. Number three, waiting patiently is an act of faith when pain is unbearable and unexplainable. Waiting patiently is an act of faith when pain is unbearable and unexplainable. And some of you are going through that. Circumstances are uncontrollable. People are unchangeable. But when pain is unbearable and unexplainable, that's when we need patience too. The classic example of this in the Bible is the story of Job. You know the story of Job. We talked about that in April and May. We were going through this series on fear. Job was the wealthiest man in the world at the time, very famous. He had everything that he could ever want. And in one single day, he lost it all. His children were killed by a terrorist. He lost all of his crops, his wealth, all of his livestock. He got a terrible, painful, terminal disease. He literally lost everything in one day. And he didn't understand what was going on. There was no explanation given to him by God. God was just silent. Now, Job was a godly man. He feared God. He served God. He loved God. And yet he lost everything. And people are like, how could that happen to Job? If that could happen to Job, that could happen to anybody. You see, it was a test. In the entire time that God was allowing Job to be tested, God was silent. God didn't tell him, hey, this is a test. God didn't tell him, don't worry. In the end, it's going to all work out. In fact, during that time, Satan comes And he says to God, your man, Job, he only worships you. He only loves you because he's only serving you because he's got it so good. You take away some of his creature comforts and he'll curse you. And God's like, no, 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 you don't know my servant, Job. So God allowed Satan to take away everything that was good in Job's life. And Job still served God. He was still patient. He was trusting. Verse 11 says, for instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. That's why we call it the patience of Job. That's where that comes from. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. In fact, at the end of Job's life, the Bible says God restored everything he had double. Everything he lost, God gave him back double. Job played in the Super Bowl of suffering. And he won the championship. He's a committed believer. He loses everything, loses his family, his kids, his friends, his health. His children, like I said, were murdered. He goes bankrupt. He has this painful, incurable disease. You think you've had a rough day? You think your week's been bad? We think we've got problems? The only thing that Job was left with was a wife who nagged him all the time. A nagging wife. And she's like, why don't, she's like, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, that's a great support system. The worst part of Job's life was there's no apparent explanation. He goes for 37 chapters going, why me? Why me? Maybe that's your prayer to God sometimes. Why me? I can't catch a break. And for 37 chapters, God says nothing. God is silent. Yet Job persevered. He hung in there. He refused to give up. He patiently waited on God. The ultimate example of faith is at the end when Job says this. Job says, Though God slays me, though he slay me, yet 
will I trust him? Friends, whether it's the coronavirus or anything else in in life, have you figured out yet that life is not fair? We complain about, oh, it's not fair, it's not fair. Yep, it's life. Teach your kids, life's not fair, or the world will teach it to them. There's a lot of injustice in the world. There's a lot of cheating and injustice and evil in the world. Life's not fair. We've seen it in the violence and we've seen it in the virus. We've seen it in the pandemic and we've seen it in the protests. I could go on and on and on. There's a lot of injustice in the world. And sometimes we can't figure out why we're having the problems that we're having. It's like I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to deserve this. We just we live in a fallen world. And that's what Job was going through then. So here's what we need to remember. When we have problems... When we have circumstances that are beyond our control, when we have people that are unchangeable in our lives, here's what we need to remember. And you're going to want to write these down. What should I remember when I'm waiting on God, when I'm going through pain, I'm going through pressure, I'm going through problems? What do I need to remember? Well, James gives us three reminders. So as this pandemic drags on in the next year, taking longer than any of us want wanted to, to take, I want you to focus on the same three things that James tells us to do. Number one, I've said it over and over again, I've got to remember that God is in control. I've got to remember that God is in control. Will you fill that in? Now, I've said that several times in this series. We don't know what's happening in the world. We don't know how long the virus is going to. We don't know how long the election will take. We don't know what's next. But here's what we know. We know that God's in control. Three times in this passage I just read to you, it says the Lord is coming back. Three times. James 5.7 says, my friends, be patient until the Lord returns. James 5.8 be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. James 5, 9 in the New Century says, Don't complain because the judge is ready to come. Why? Why three times in a row does James say, The Lord is coming back? I'll tell you why. Because it's the ultimate proof that God is in control. You see, the fact is, history is His story. That's how it's written. That's how it's about his story. And everything is on a schedule. And everything is on a plan. And God didn't wake up and get surprised by some virus. And God didn't get, wake up and get surprised by some vote. It's all on God's timetable. Nothing's going to change that date. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And nothing changes God's plan and God's purpose for your life. Not anything anybody else does, anything the government does or doesn't do, anything the economy does, anything anybody else outside. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And one day, Jesus is going to return. And he's saying that although our situation may seem out of control, and what you're going through might be unpopular, it might even be painful, He's saying that nothing 
Nothing is beyond God's control. So be patient. He's saying that God's timing is perfect. God is never late. Now God is seldom early. He's on time. And God is in control. And Jesus is coming back someday and nothing anyone can do or does will change that fact. And we should take great comfort and peace in that patience of waiting. It'll be exactly on time. So the first thing I need to remember is God's in control. The second thing I need to remember when I'm going through this COVID-19 thing and everything else is I got to remember that God rewards patience. James 5.11 says, now we consider blessed, this is the NIV, now we consider blessed, circle that word blessed, those who have persevered. In other words, he's saying it pays to be patient. Notice that word blessed. There's a lot of ways you get a blessing from being patient. There's all kinds of rewards. When we're patient, it builds our character. It makes us more like Christ. When we're patient, we avoid mistakes because we're more careful. When we're patient, we reach our goals because we're able to stay focused. When we're patient, we're going to be honored by others. They're going to look at us with admiration because of our patience, just like you do the farmers in your life. When we're patient, we're going to have happier relationships, better relationships. There's all kinds of blessings and benefits for the here and now. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't let... Let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. In other words, after a while, you keep being patient. You keep persevering at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. There's blessing again. There are blessings to be had through this period of waiting, whatever you're waiting on. Blessings in your character, blessings in your life, blessings in your marriage, blessings in your family, blessings even in our church. And by the way, there aren't just rewards and blessings for the here and now. There are many. But God promises us rewards and blessings in heaven too. So remember, God's in control. Remember, God is working. He's working in our lives and doing all these things. He's going to reward my patience. Third thing. I've got to remember that this is not the end of the story. I've got to remember this is not the end of the story. That's the third thing we need to remember. We get this from the story of Job. God's working behind the scenes. In James 5.11, the second half says, You know about Job, the man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. You see, when we have a delay in our life, A delay is not a denial. We have to admit, most of us are like teenagers with God. I prayed five times. I prayed five times in a row. And God says, God said no. But God didn't say no. He just said not yet. He just said, wait. Well, when you tell a teenager you got to wait or not yet, they're like, they never let me do anything, right? They're in another room. That's okay. I can pick on them. It's like, they never, my parents will never let me. They said, I'll never, over their dead body, they just add to what you said. All you said was, not yet. That's how we are with God. You know, look, the most difficult room to sit in is God's waiting room. 
And we're in this hurry for this virus to be over. Some of us, we've been praying every day for nine months, and it's not over yet. You feel like giving up. You feel like quitting. You feel like, God said, no, we're going to have it forever. No, you keep being faithful. You keep being patient. You keep praying. In fact, we should be thankful that it hasn't been worse, as bad as they said it was going to be. God is working while we're waiting. I don't know what God is doing. I don't know how he's working, but I know he is working. Go back to what I know. And I don't care whatever the problem is in your life. Here's what I know. I don't know how you're going to solve the problem. I don't know how it's going to work out. But here's what I know. God is at work in your problem while you're waiting. Often in ways we can't see. So remember the farmer. While he's waiting... It's taking place underground. What's happening? God's at work. God is providing the conditions underground that we need for that seed to sprout. While we're waiting, God is working. We need to remember that. This isn't the end of the story. Look at this verse from Jeremiah 29, 11, New Century Version. says, I know what I'm planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I'll give you a hope, circle hope. I'll give you a hope, and I'll give you a good future. Circle good future. Circle hope, circle good future, and draw a line between those. That's what God wants to give you. He wants to give you hope and a good future. That's encouraging. I don't know what the problem is you're facing in life today, but I can tell you this. God is working behind the scenes to give you a hope and give you a good future. What a promise. So that brings us to the big question. How? Okay, Jerry, I get it. I need to be patient. I get it. I need to remember some things. I need to patiently wait in faith, and I need to remember those three things. How do I do that? How do I trust God? We're talking about having a faith that works. Because if you have a faith that works, it changes everything. Faith that trusts God during the delays, during the waiting moments. What do I do while I'm waiting? Well, let's look at these three examples again that James gives us. What do I do while I'm waiting? Look at the farmer, look at the prophets, look at Job. Write these down. Like farmers, I need to wait expectantly. Like farmers, I need to wait expectantly. What does a farmer do while he's waiting? Does he do nothing? He's just waiting? No. What does a farmer do while he's waiting? He's getting ready for the harvest. He's preparing for what's next. He's not sitting around. He's not saying, well, I wonder if this is going to grow or not. He's seen this happen before. He's exercised faith before. So he's expecting it to grow. He's a farmer. So he's getting ready for the harvest. So that when the harvest comes, he's ready to, to harvest it all. We need to wait expectantly. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait eagerly for the Lord's help. And in his word, I trust. So let me ask you a personal question. What have you been waiting for God to do in your life? What have you been waiting for God to do? You've been waiting for him to transform your marriage? You've been waiting for him to solve a financial problem? You've been waiting for him to heal a hurt? You've been waiting for God to reach a loved one, a husband, a wife, a teenager, somebody close to you? Well, let me ask you this. Do you really expect God to do it? Do you really expect him 
And if you do, what are you doing right now to get ready for it? What, what are you doing to show that expectation? We need to wait expectantly. And while we're waiting, we need to be getting prepared for the answer. That demonstrates expectation. How many of you ladies have ever had a baby? Not a trick question. Raise your hand loud and proud. If your husband put your hand back down, she had the baby. Okay? A woman who's pregnant, who's expecting, is getting ready for nine months before that baby gets here. There's not a woman alive who sits around and goes, you know, let's just wait until the baby gets here, then we'll get ready. I'm just going to wait, I'm going to make sure it comes, then I'll get ready. Because the truth is, you don't even know that you have nine months, do you ladies? How many of you have ever had a baby early? Any babies come early? Oh, yeah. But I had nine months. Baby doesn't care. <laughs> Babies don't wear watches. <laughs> you know, They come when they're ready, right? When God sends them. They're... So you get ready, and you get ready early for a baby. You know what I've discovered? A lot of times we think we're waiting on God, and God's just waiting on us. That's the truth. A lot of times we're waiting on God. Well, I'm waiting on God. Nope. He's waiting on you. God's like, Jerry, I got this blessing, church. I got this blessing I want to give you, but I can't give you this blessing yet. You need to grow up first. And we're like, but God, give me the blessing. Give me. He's like, I can't give you the blessing yet. But I want it now. And he's like, yeah, that's my point. You cry, baby Christian, right? He's going to wait. He's, we're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. Isaiah 49, 23 says, boy, this is a good verse for us to memorize. No one, this is God speaking, no one who waits for my help will be disappointed. What a promise. No one who waits for my help, God says, will ever be disappointed. So like the farmers, I need to wait expectantly. Then there's a second one that James kind of gets in our face a little bit. I warned you he would do this. He's a little blunt. Because the second thing he says is, like the prophets, I know what's coming. Like the prophets, I need to wait without complaining. Ooh. I need to wait without complaining. Lamentations 3.26 says, it is good to wait quietly, circle quietly, for the salvation of the Lord. James advises us to guard our mouths while we're waiting. In fact, he spent a whole chapter, half a chapter, chapter 3, talking about controlling our tongue, managing our mouth. Verse 9, he says, don't grumble and don't complain. That's self-pity. It's hard to be quiet when we're frustrated. And we're almost all frustrated about something right now. With whatever's going on, with the virus, with the election, with the voting, with your family, with the economy, there's plenty to be frustrated about and a lot to gripe and complain about. And often, truth be told, we don't mind waiting, waiting in line if we can complain about it. Right? You turn to the guy back, I can't believe this cashier. Can you believe she's taking that? That guy's got 13 things. That's 13 things in a 10. What's wrong with it? I know they're bogos, but that counts. And we want to complain. And it makes the waiting go by better if we can gripe and complain to everybody around us about it. 
So what happens when you're frustrated and you can't do anything about it? You know what happens? You get into this habit of griping. You get into this habit of complaining. Oh, it's legitimate. you got all your facts and figures. You can prove it all to us. You get in the habit like that, and here's what happens. Unfortunately, we end up taking out our frustrations on those who are closest to us, the people who live in our four walls that we ride in the car with. And it's not their fault. We take it out on our kids. We take it out on our spouse. We take it out on those who are closest because it's all the stress that we're feeding with all this complaining and with all this griping, with all this, this grumbling. And a lot of times the frustration just spills out on them. I had a really sad thing happen to me the other night. I stopped for gas. And I get out of my car and I'm pumping gas. And there's this young mom on the other side of the pump. And, you know, you don't talk to people at a gas station. It's an unwritten rule. You kind of nod maybe. But, you know, people got loud music. People got things going on. Everyone minds their business and pumps their gas, right? And um, apparently she was having a frustrating evening. Um, I don't know what was going on. Either her car didn't swipe or didn't work or the pump wasn't something. And she had two young kids in there. She had about a two-year-old and a four-year-old, about my grandkids' age. And um, maybe they were a little bit older. And she yells at these kids, get out of the effing car, you effing little brats, F F F F F F F. And my heart just broke for these two little kids that their own mom is cursing at them with this vial. I'm sure that wasn't the only time that's happened. And I mean, I just, my heart just, I mean, I wanted to say, hey, I'm Pastor Jerry, I'll be glad to take care of your kids. Well, you go inside, that'll get you in jail. You know, you can't do that anymore. Then I thought, well, you know, I could go inside and pay for her thing. And I said, you know, that's, I didn't know if I could insert myself. You're not supposed to talk to anybody. I just said, you know, I'm going to pray for this, these two little girls and pray for this mom. And, and I'm thinking, the truth is we're all like her. You know, I know you might clean up your language a little bit, but we all bite the head off of the people who are the closest to us. And it's not their fault. It wasn't their fault that the credit card didn't work, that the pump didn't work, that the car, the gas cap didn't work. Whatever the problem was, it wasn't the little girl's fault. Yet that's all of us. So we need to ratchet it down. And like the prophets, I need to wait without complaining because the complaining fosters an environment that spills over into everyone else. Number three, when I'm waiting, and some of this takes longer than I think it should take, like Job, I need to wait confidently. That's the last example it gives us. Matthew, Micah 7, 7 says, I wait confidently for God to save me. And Job models for this the entire time. He's in chronic pain. God's not saying anything. And all this time, he's going through this, this pain He's lost everything. And look what he says in Job 14.4. He says, if a man dies, can he come back to life? I will wait for better times. Circle that phrase. I've got it circled on mine. I will wait for better times. And I'll wait till this time of trouble has ended. And even if you're in chronic pain, even if you're, even if you're really hurting, you can cl- latch onto this verse and say, I'm going to wait for better times. I'm going to wait until this time of trouble has ended. Because this time of trouble will end. This crisis, this virus, this election cycle, it'll all end. When the outlook is bad, look up. When the storm is on the horizon, look up. 
When the problem is staring you in the face, look up. You've heard me say before, the word hope, when you need hope, H-O-P-E, hope, H-O-P-E stands for holding on, praying expectantly. Holding on, praying expectantly. Some of you need to write that down. We all need something to hope on to. So we wait quietly, we wait expectantly, we wait confidently. How do you expect express your confidence in God? By being still. One of my life verses is Isaiah 40, 31. I memorized this verse when I was 14 years old. It says, those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They'll fly high on wings like eagles and they'll run and not grow weary. And they'll walk and they're never going to faint. That comes from waiting on the Lord. If you're tired and you're fatigued, you're just like everybody else. If you're worn out and you're drained, you need to recover while waiting on the Lord. You need to sit down with these notes and go over them and look at, learn how and learn why and learn what to remind yourself of. So let me ask, let me wrap this up by asking you, where do you need patience today? You got some uncontrollable circumstances in your life? You had a financial reversal or you've had a long-term illness or you've had a job responsibilities double because they let other people go or have you had an unexpected problem, an unexplained problem? Maybe you feel like Job. Why me, God? Why me? Some of you have been asking that. And it doesn't seem to make any sense. So what do you do in your situation? Well, you need to remember these wonderful truths. God is in control, and you look towards him. Nothing is beyond his power. God is bigger than COVID. God is bigger than politics. God is bigger than government. God is bigger, period. And his purpose for you is far greater than your problems, their problems, our problems. God's plan and purpose for you is perfect. And God is still on the throne, and he is still working. We need to remember that God's going to reward patience, if not in this life, in eternity. But he usually rewards your patience even here. And we need to remember that God is working behind the scenes, even when we don't see it. And this isn't the end of the story. So be patient. And even though we can't see what he's doing, we know he is doing. While we're waiting, he's working. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me right now? I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a simple prayer as we pray together, and then I want to pray for you. But we can all pray this. Pray, Jesus Christ, just right where you're seated in your head, think these words and say, Jesus Christ, help me to wait expectantly to prepare for the answer while I'm waiting for you. Help me to wait quietly, to not grumble, to not take out my frustrations on the people who are closest to me. And help me to wait confidently, to be still, and not get anxious, and not get worried, and not get nervous. And help me to plant good seeds of patience and expect a harvest. Now, if you've never opened your life to Christ, why don't you do that right now? 
God has been patient with you your entire life. He's been working in your life even when you didn't know it. Even when you didn't know Him. So just say this prayer. Say, Jesus Christ, I want to get to know you. I've waited too long to have a relationship with you. I want to know your plan and your purpose for my life. Just say that. I've waited too long. I've waited long enough. So today, Lord, I'm opening my life to you, Jesus. And as much as I know how, I'm saying, come in. Fill me with your love. I want to follow you, and I need you to save me. Now let me pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, please use these difficult times in our lives to teach us to be patient. Teach us to depend on only you. Teach us to trust and not worry. Teach us to look forward to Jesus' return. And help us to get our friends and family ready for his return. Help us to share our faith, a faith that works. We know having a working faith changes everything. So, Lord, let that begin by changing each of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.